0: Uh, I want to begin by saying that um, there are many different kinds of sermons. Some of them are to inspire. Some are to persuade. Sometimes they are scolding sermons. Sometimes they are teaching sermons. This one doesn't fit into any of those categories. I'm not trying to get you from point A to point B. I'm not trying to convince you of anything this morning. I'm musing. I'm musing about this scripture and trying to clarify it for myself. And I hope you'll do the same. Uh, You might agree with me when we're done today. You might disagree with me. You might not even understand me. I'm just praying that the words that are spoken will be what those kind of words that Jesus talked about when he said they fall onto good soil and sink deep roots. I'm going to read part of the gospel, but I'm not asking you to stand yet. I'm just setting up the sermon. This is Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 17. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, For power came out from him, and he healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Pause there for a second. What Jesus did not say, what I'm getting ready to read in just a second, and I want to ask you to stand. What Jesus did not say are what we call the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are found in Matthew there are ten of them. Uh, they are blessings on people who are uh, poor in spirit. They are blessings on people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you. Those ten are well known. I memorized them in Sunday school as a child. Did some of you? We learned the Beatitudes. We know the Beatitudes. They're beautiful. They are compelling. This is not what Jesus says, however, in Luke. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Would you please stand? Blessed are you, Who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you. And defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. For you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you. For that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Please be seated. Well, I timed myself reading those words at 57.2 seconds. It was a short sermon for Jesus. Those words Blessings and woes, rich and poor. Blessings and woes, full and empty. Blessings and woes. All confused in in, in ways that uh, that I don't understand. I loved Christie's children's sermon, uh, blessings and woes, and and trying to sort all this out. Jesus makes no effort to explain this. He just says it. There is no description of how the crowd received it. I would think that at least some people in the crowd might have said, if if you've ever been in an African-American church, when preaching goes on, what's going on? Congregation is talking back. And usually they're saying stuff like, all right, preach on. Go ahead and say it, brother. That's what they're saying. And and I hope there are a few people in that crowd who were saying that. Yeah. They're just saying it under their breath. Yeah, all right. We, we Methodists don't talk back to each other like that. Uh, but it would be all right if, if a Methodist got an amen every once in a while. These words are puzzling to me. They are unsettling to me. But I also know in some way that I can't explain these words are true. Because the Bible is true. And Jesus is Lord. And what Jesus says is true. Last Tuesday morning, I was coming into this building at 9 o'clock back by the atrium. It was cold outside, I met a couple out there um, who, I don't know that they were homeless, but they were in need. Uh, all you ever need, if, by the way, just parenthetically, if you ever need to ponder poverty and wealth, just stand outside our doors for a while. And then if you say to yourself, why are all those people hanging out back there? Perhaps we should remember that that was their alley long before it was our entrance, and that people who don't feel comfortable walking up and down Mulberry Street or any of the other streets oftentimes walk down the lanes. So I was walking in last Tuesday morning, and and a man and a woman, uh, both of of whom were masked, uh, were asking where could they get a vaccination, Somebody down on Walnut Street, they said, had told them to come up here. We talked for a second. I said, I, there were a couple of other people who were trying to come in the building at the same time. We said, well, we don't, we don't give vaccinations here. We don't know anything about that. Uh, I, I said, do you have a car? No, they didn't have a car. I told them where the health department was, but it's still kind of a long walk away. And, and basically, I said, well, why don't you go back down uh, to Walnut Street and, and ask them again? And this couple left to go down, back down to Walnut Street in the cold while I came into a nice warm church, got myself a cup of coffee, walked upstairs with a group of men to discuss this verse. And it was like when I opened the Bible, I heard a, a cock crowing. Would it have cost me so much to have walked back down to Walnut Street with them and tried to help them sort it out? Who was on the blessing end? Who was on the end of receiving a woe when that happened? If you're uncomfortable with this sermon, there's more to come. I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm musing on what it means. Blessed are you poor. Uh, woe to you who are rich. What does that mean? Woe to you uh, who have. Who have blessings on you who have not. One thing I know: Jesus is not romanticizing deprivation. Nineteen immigrants froze to death on the Greek-Turkish border a couple of weeks ago. Did you read about it? Their clothing had been taken from them. They were expelled where they froze to death unclothed. The Greeks pointed their finger at the Turks The Turks pointed their finger at the Greeks. Those two countries don't get along very well anyway. I don't think Jesus would have said, blessed are those 19. I think he would have said, that is demonic. But I think he might have spoken a word of woe to whoever it was who Remove their clothes from them and kick them out into the darkness of that freezing cold. I was walking downtown two weeks ago. I'd gone to eat lunch at one of our wonderful downtown restaurants had a fine meal, slapped my credit card down, paid for it, signed the tab. On the way back up the sidewalk, there was a person sitting on a walker, leaned up against a building, the kind of people we try not to see. The person spoke faintly, to me. I couldn't quite hear what they said, but I didn't want to hear. I just heard a sound. And I didn't want to look at them. I just muttered something under my breath, my mask was still on, and and I determined to keep my eyes focused straight ahead. Do you ever do that? But my eyes involuntarily I didn't want to do it. They involuntarily looked, left. And I saw the person. And I walked on another 10 steps or so until it dawned on me I had looked at a member of this church. I stopped and turned around and went back to that person and we had conversation and transaction. I don't think that person knew it was me. I had on my mask and a hat. I did not know that it was a church member. Did it make a difference that it was a church member or not? I don't think I'd have stopped I'd have just kept on walking if it hadn't been a church member. Who was blessed and who is the one for whom Jesus said, woe to you in that story? Upon whom do woes fall? Upon whom do blessings fall? I'm not trying to make... I don't think Jesus operated on guilt. I'm not trying to preach. I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm talking to myself in front of you. Blessed, Jesus said, are the excluded, the hated, and the reviled. Or as Joan Baez had it, the last, the lonely, and the wretched. Blessed are any whom you and I draw our borders around. Blessed are the formerly incarcerated who have tried to work their way back into society and can't even vote. Georgia has the fourth highest incarceration rate in the entire country and higher than every nation in the world. And we know that incarceration and poverty are deeply linked. Blessed are the formerly incarcerated. Georgia is 48th in the nation in access to mental health. 48th. I tip my hat to Speaker of the House, Dennis Ralston who is bringing before the Georgia legislature a bill to alleviate that woeful situation. 48th in mental health. Poverty and mental health and exclusion are tied together in ways that I cannot explain. But I'm not the only one who has sat at an intersection in Macon, Georgia now. It used to be that those people just sat with their cardboard signs. Now they walk unsteadily right up next to our car, their eyes either vacant or pleading While we shake our head, turn our eyes down, or pretend we do not see. Blessed are the poor? How how is that? This is not the Sermon on the Mount. It is called the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus came down on their level. It is in a flat place. He engages people. They are not clients for him. He dignifies them. He respects them. We just need to send these people back to work, they say. We aren't going to give them welfare unless they work. That sounds so simple and so decisive. I'd like those people to meet a friend of mine. I've known her since she was a little girl. The wind could have blown her away back then. That was over 50 years ago. She's closing in on 60 years old now. She has panic attacks so bad that she's last held a job uh, at a fast food restaurant two years ago. She hasn't been able to leave the house and her only support comes from her brother, who believes in conspiracy theories and sells his blood for plas sells his plasma back to work. Her life to me outwardly feels like it is full of woe. I don't know how Jesus looks at that. I offer no answers. Jesus laid it out quite starkly and left it to us to prayerfully find a way forward. Somewhere around 1993 or 1994, when I was serving the church in Columbus, Georgia, just before I came here, somewhere on a saturday afternoon i received a call from a homeless man who needed help i've never received a call like that before and i've never received a call like it since it was a one-time event it was before the days of cell phones i was raking my yard my Somebody in the family came out and got me. There's a homeless man that's called you. You say, how did he call me on my house phone? Do you remember those things called telephone books? Well, how is it that he looked up my name in a telephone book? Here's how. The voice on the other end says to me, Hello, is this Reverend Henshaw? My name is Dean Henshaw. He said, I'm homeless. Whenever I come into a town, I look in the phone book to see if there's any Henshaws. I figure they'll help me. I've been robbed. I've got nothing left. I'm at the airport throughway holiday inn. Can you come and help me? I said, I'll be down there in a few minutes. What Dean did not know, but I knew, was he was my first cousin. I'd only met him once, that was 30 years prior to 1994. I was a child in the ninth grade uh, when we visited in Inyo Kern, California, my aunt Margaret, my uncle, Bliss, and their son, Dean. I'd seen him once in 30 years. When he got old enough, he was schizophrenic. He left the house and never came back. And 30 years later, he calls me. And my debate on the way down from my house to the airport three-way holiday inn is, do I tell Dean that we're related? I did I said Dean I knew your father bliss I knew your mother Margaret I'm your first cousin he had nothing we took him to Walmart bought him some clothes brought him to the house he sat down on the piano and played blessed assurance Jesus is mine Bonnie and I took him out to eat that night and I didn't know what to do. We put him up in a hotel in Phoenix City. It was Saturday evening. I paid for two nights at the hotel. Sunday afternoon Dean called. I gave him some cash. Sunday afternoon he called me from the hotel. I'd given him a fair amount of cash. He said it's all gone. Do you have any more? i said dean it's late in the evening i'll come by on monday morning and let's talk about it because i didn't know what to say when i got there monday the hotel manager said he checked out he's gone he hit the road again in a fresh wardrobe from walmart I never saw him again. I've never heard from him since. I returned to the church with my long list of ecclesiastical duties unable to sort out what had happened. Who was visited with a blessing in that transaction? Who was visited with a With a woe. Did Dean have blessing and woe? Did this person have blessing and woe? How in this world or the next is all of that sorted out? I give thanks to our Lord Jesus, who speaks words that I know are true, even if I don't know how to understand them or convey them to you. Amen.